2 Timothy chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, there is a hardback black Bible under the chair in front of you. You can grab that Bible. We'll be on page 995. This morning, as we begin a new month and a new year, we are also marking the completion of our first year as Alberta Church. You guys are more awake than first service. I love that. And listen, it's been a good year. It has been an incredible year. God has been so faithful to us over this last year. And I do think it's important to pause for just a moment and look back with thanksgiving at some of the things that God has been doing. And and to do that, to, to help quantify some of the ways God has been working, the ways that God has been faithful over this last year, I'd like to give you some numbers. Now, now here's the thing. Numbers aren't everything. They, they really aren't, but they do help to kind of paint a picture for you. So I'm going to give you some numbers from 2023, and, and the order I'm going to give them to you is, is kind of in a reverse order. So I'm going to start with the things, at least in my heart, that are kind of least important and work towards the things that, that I think are most important. It's not exactly that, but that, that's kind of what we're looking at here. So here are some statistics from 2023. Our average Sunday attendance grew by about 15%, from about 200 on a Sunday morning to about 230 each Sunday morning. We had 41 new adult members join our church family. Now, 41 doesn't sound like a big number, but but what that represents is 25 new households. So starting 2024, we have 40% more households in 2024 in this church than we had as members than we did in 2023. Your tithes and offering giving, just your tithes and offering giving in 2023 exceeded our budgeted giving by more than 25%. Let's put a number on that. That's more than $87,000 that you gave in excess of what we thought you'd give. And because of how we give to missions as a church, our missions giving is a percentage of the overall church giving. It's not just a random uh, budgeted number. What that means is that in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be writing a bunch of checks as kind of bonus checks for all of the missions that we support. You guys have been incredible in your giving. Our church staff grew from three to five over this last year, including hiring a new student pastor and a new worship minister. I love this one. We sent one of our own. One of our own. We're a one-year-old church, and we sent one of our members into the mission field. Sadie Esther is serving at Sahel Academy in Niger right now. She's one of us. In our first year, we were able to send a missionary overseas, and God made that happen. That wasn't me. I didn't recruit her. That was God working in Sadie's heart, setting everything up, and sending her out. And maybe, I think, the best numbers of all. In 2023, we baptized 20 people, and we did 15 of those baptisms. Three-quarters of our baptisms we did in public out at the beach. How awesome is that? 2023 was an incredibly good year. And so before we even get into the message, I just want to stop and pray a prayer of thanksgiving and just thank God for all that he did last year. Can we do that? Let's pray. Glorious, merciful, faithful God, we love you. And we just want to say thank you. Thank you for pouring out your blessings on us. 
Though we, we don't deserve it, though we messed it up at times, you have been incredibly faithful every step of the way. You have been at work. You've allowed us to serve you here in Alberta, and because of that, lives are changed. God, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for the folks who have committed to follow Jesus, who've repented of their sin, proclaimed that through the waters of baptism. We thank you for giving Sadie Esther a heart to serve you in overseas missions and and for sending her and allowing us to help support her as she goes. We thank you for the new families who've come on. We thank you for the new deacons that we're going to ordain next week. We thank you for the faithfulness in funding this ministry as we serve you here in Alberta. God, we thank you. We give you the honor and the praise. You have been so good to us, and we thank you. We thank you. You are good, and you do good. And so we praise your name, and we look forward with anticipation to what you're going to do as we continue to serve you in the future. We love you, Lord. It's in your beautiful name that we pray. Amen. I meant it. 2023 was a good year. God has been faithful to us, and I am so incredibly grateful that he has been working in and through us. I'm thankful for the people that he's brought in uh, that have come in and they've repented of their sin and they're now growing in Christ. I'm thankful for the families in this community that have said, hey, we want to be a part of this church family. I'm thankful for the faithfulness and giving. I'm thankful for the amazing staff that the Lord has brought together. Like our team, I'm telling you, like our guys are amazing. Every single one of them makes us a better church. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the baptisms and the lives that have been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I really am thankful. 2023 was a great year. And it's important to remember that. It's important for us to remember all these good things that have happened But at the same time, we don't want to be a church that lives in 2023 because this is 2024, and I don't think God is done with us yet. So I want to encourage you to to know that in my heart, as we move forward, as, as we continue to grow as a church, my heart's desire for us as a church is not that we grow numerically, although I think that's gonna happen. And my heart's desire is not that we see our giving increase even more, although I think that will probably happen too. My desire is not that we grow a bigger staff or that we get new buildings or bigger places. Those things may come, but that's not my desire. My desire for us as a church as we enter into 2024 is that we grow deeper that we grow more in love with Jesus, that we're living this faith out every single day, that we're actually doing this thing called being an authentic disciple of Jesus, that we're sharing the good news of the gospel with the people that we encounter in our various circles of influence. That's why we're here. My desire is that we live out our faith as authentic Christ followers which is why for this next month, which is why we're starting January by focusing on discipleship all month long. It's good to remember what's happened in the past. But as we begin this new year, I want to encourage you to know that there's something more important to remember. 
And that's what we're going to see in our text today. So join me now in 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 8, and we're going to end at verse 8. The Bible says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. Would you say it with me one time? Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. Elsewhere in scripture, we read that the grass withers, that the flower falls, but that the word of the Lord remains forever, and this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You guys got it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this one sentence that tells us so incredibly much. Holy Spirit, as we look at this together, would you help us to see what it is teaching us to apply it to our lives and to walk out of here changed by the hope it gives us. We love you. It's in your beautiful name I pray. Amen. So parents, as you've raised your kids, think, think back as they were growing up. What is arguably the most annoying question that your young children first learned to ask? There it is. Why? Kids love to ask that question. It's time to go to bed. Why? Eat your vegetables. Why? Pick up your toys. Why? I feel like every parent has gone through one of these phases where our kids just incessantly ask all the time, why? And then as, as they grow and they learn that we as parents don't like being asked why all the time, they start asking us other questions. Their inquisitive little minds start asking things like, how? Like, like go put your shoes on and what do they ask? How? Like clean your room. How? And it doesn't stop. Like they get into high school. Go do your algebra. How? Why and how? Those are two questions that our kids ask all the time, and I'm not really sure how much of that is the work of an inquisitive mind and how much of that is just a delaying tactic. <laughs> I think it's a little bit of both. But it's good to have an inquisitive mind. Why and how are two great questions to ask. And today, as we look at just this one verse, I'd like you to have an inquisitive mind. I'd like you to ask those two questions of this verse. As we look at 2 Timothy 2.8, ask yourself why and how. The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy. He's approaching the end of his life. As he concludes this letter right here, he's going to tell Timothy, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Paul is approaching the end of his life, and, and as he's coming towards the end of his life, he writes this letter to Timothy. And in this letter, he's telling Timothy, his, his apprentice, his 
faithful disciple, his true son in the faith, the one who's served with him in ministry, the one who's helped him plant and grow churches, who's helped him to share the gospel. He's writing to Timothy, and as he's writing his last letter that we have of Timothy's, he tells Timothy, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. Why? Why is that the advice that he's giving to Timothy? Why is Paul telling Timothy of all people to remember Jesus? After all, Timothy of all people is probably the least in need of this kind of a reminder. Timothy knows who Jesus is, right? Like he's been living for Jesus for most of his life. We know from the letters in the Bible that Timothy's faith started when he was very young with his mother and his grandmother. Like Timothy has been discipled by none other than the apostle Paul himself. And still, Paul is telling Timothy, remember Jesus. Why? This really is a good question to ask. But I think the answer is actually pretty clear. You see, Paul knows that this is the most important thing that any authentic Christ follower needs to remember. So the main idea for our message today is the text itself. This is our main idea. If you walk out with nothing else, remember this. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. Those 16 words, this one verse, this one sentence is the most important thing that we need to remember in 2024. Now let me show you why and how we do this. As Paul begins, he first begins by telling Timothy to remember Jesus Christ. Why? The the context of this letter is one of suffering. Paul is writing this letter, and he's about to be put to death for his faith. Timothy is encountering trials and difficulties as he strives to serve the Lord faithfully. So it's in the middle of suffering and trials and difficulty that Paul is giving this reminder. And it's a good reminder to have. Because the reality is, for us, like Timothy, like Paul, following Jesus isn't always going to be easy. There are times where where life is hard. It just is. There are times where we're going to encounter trials. And those trials might come because of an illness. They might come because of financial challenges or relational struggles. These difficulties we encounter, they might come because of our own sin. They might come because of the sin of other people. In the midst of suffering and trials and difficulties, remember Jesus Christ. Remember who he is. Remember what he's done. Because it's in those trials, it's in the middle of those difficulties that we are most tempted to forget. We're tempted to forget that we have Jesus. And so we we need to remember Jesus Christ. When living out your faith at work or in school or in the public square is hard, remember Jesus Christ. The American church has had it easy for a long time. But times are changing. The world 
is changing. The cost of following Jesus is only going to increase. And that means that there will be times where choosing to follow Jesus means choosing the path of suffering. When your faith is no longer popular, when living the way God has called us to live in his word is no longer acceptable. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember how Jesus lived. Because Jesus lived a countercultural life. Jesus lived a life where he walked in holiness and he loved sinners. Jesus lived a life where he spoke to the truth to those in power and he associated with the lowly. Jesus lived a life of purity in a world that was consumed with giving out and living into every single lustful, sinful desire that came up. And that life was not popular. We know this as we read the scriptures. We know that Jesus' holiness, his boldness, his obedience to live out the mission that God had given him to live, it ultimately led to his persecution, his arrest, his torture, and his death on the cross. And as followers of Jesus, this is what we've been called into. We've been called to imitate him. We've been called to live a countercultural life. We've been called to live in the world, but not be of the world. We've been called to die to self, to kill our sinful desires and walk in holiness. We've been called to hate sin, but love sinners. We've been called to speak the truth of the gospel. We've been called to love God and love people. Church, we have been called to live a countercultural life. And as we live that life, as we live as authentic Christ followers where we're actually doing these things we've been called into, it's not always going to be popular. Like if it has not already happened to you, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet. I'm just telling you I can see the culture we're in. It's coming. The call to compromise your faith, the challenge to just set it aside, to keep it to yourself, to believe what you want, but don't you dare speak it out loud. The challenge to comply is coming. When living for Jesus is hard. Remember Jesus Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by be becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Remember Jesus' obedience. Remember Jesus' suffering. Remember Jesus' death. But don't just remember Jesus' death. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Now it's worth stopping again and asking the question, why? Why does Paul tell Timothy, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead? Why doesn't he say, remember Jesus Christ who came and lived a perfect life and suffered for you and died on the cross for your sins? Why doesn't he say, remember Jesus Christ who paid the price, who sacrificed for you? Why does he point to the resurrection? 
He points to the resurrection because it's the resurrection that gives us hope. He points to the resurrection because Jesus didn't die and stay dead. He conquered death. He's alive. He lives eternally. And that means we can depend on him. We're not serving a savior who's dead and buried the ground, who's unable to hear our prayers, who's unable to help us, who's unable to give us strength or encouragement. He's alive. The founder of every other faith is dead. Muhammad is dead. Confucius is dead. Sadat Gadama is dead. Joseph Smith is dead. Guru Nanak is dead. They're all dead. But Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He's alive. Paul tells us in Romans 8, 34, that Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And then Hebrews 7.25 tells us, consequently, he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for us. We remember that Jesus is risen from the dead because it's the reminder that Jesus is powerful and he's willing and able and available to help us out. So we remember that Jesus is risen from the dead. The resurrection gives us hope. But the resurrection is also the security of our salvation because the resurrection was God's stamp of approval saying that the sacrifice that Jesus made was enough. In raising Jesus from the dead, God was essentially saying the penalty is paid. There's no more sin to atone for. There's no more wrath to absorb. There's no more need, Jesus, for you to stay dead, so rise. The resurrection was God's stamp of approval on the sacrifice that was made. And when we remember that, we are drawn in to perpetually celebrating the season of Easter every single day of the year. Because Jesus' resurrection is what enables our resurrection. You see, when you repent of your sin and you place your faith in his finished work that was sealed at the resurrection, we too, we die with Christ. We're buried with him. That's what baptism symbolizes, right? When we're baptized, we're saying, I'm dead. Old Josh, dead. He's buried in the ground, but I'm raised like Christ to walk in this new life. And what that means when we recognize the resurrection we receive, is that we're no longer in bondage to sin anymore. Like how many of us are just constantly weighed down with past failures, past sin, past mistakes. We've got those things that maybe nobody else knows about and if they ever knew, we'd be destroyed. But we don't have to be destroyed. We have resurrection life. That's why we remember the resurrection. But Jesus' resurrection is not just enabling our spiritual resurrection, it also enables our physical resurrection as well. The Apostle Paul made this clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Take a look with me, verse 19. He says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. You know what he's saying there? 
He's saying, if your hope in life is just for this life, that like if Jesus rising from the dead means that you have hope for the 60 to 90 to 100 years that you have on earth, your hope is a pathetic hope. The rest of the world should just pity you. But he doesn't stop there. Paul keeps going in verse 20. He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Let me unpack that for you real quick. Sin entered the world through Adam. Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, and because of that, we all have a sin nature. We all sin, and that sin creates death in us. Physical death as well as spiritual death. But Christ came, and he made the sacrifice for us. He died for us, but he didn't stay dead. He was raised, and in him we find forgiveness and resurrection life. Spiritual resurrection, yes, but also physical resurrection. And Jesus' resurrection, it was the first fruits. It was the first one. It was the setting the the chain that's going to be flowing out for our resurrection. But how does the resurrection give us hope? How, How does knowing about Christ's resurrection, knowing about our resurrection, give us hope? Remember the context of the letter. It's being written into a season of suffering, both on the part of Paul, the writer, and on the part of Timothy, the recipient. They're suffering. Things aren't going well. Paul is looking his own death in the face. But physical death isn't the end. Because Christ has been raised, we know that we too will be raised. So we know that like the absolute worst thing they can do to me, like if we're facing persecution, if we're facing suffering, the absolute worst thing that can ever happen to you is you get to see Jesus face to face. Do you recognize what good news that is? You will get to look your Savior eye to eye. This should encourage you. This should give you hope. So when you're going through life and you're struggling with trials and tribulations, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Remember he's alive. He's powerful. He's interceding for you. He's giving you life. And one day you get to see him face to face. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. But then Paul adds on another clause. He says, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David. Why does he bring David up right here? Why does he bring up the fact that Jesus is the offspring of David? This is not like Paul. Like Paul doesn't do this. One other place in the entire Bible, in all of Paul's writings, the only other place he mentions that Jesus is descended from David is in Romans 1.3. This is so rare that some theologians argue that that clause is irrelevant to the discussion at hand. But I don't think that it is. 
I, I think he's doing this on purpose. I think Paul wants us to remember Jesus Christ, the offspring of David, because he wants us to remember that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of God's promises. You see, Jesus fulfilled the Davidic covenant, that promise that was first made to King David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, that promise that was repeated and reiterated throughout the Old Testament that David would have a son, and a descendant of David would come, and he would sit on David's throne for all eternity to reign as king and lord. That's who Jesus is. He's the fulfillment of God's promises. He reigns eternally. Remember, he's already defeated death. He can't die again. So he reigns forever. And when we remember that, we remember that God keeps his promises. Man, how we need to remember God's promises are true. We can trust his promises. We can trust promises like, I will never leave you or forsake you. You ever feel like God has left you? He's promised he won't. We can trust promises like, come to me all who labor or heavy laden. I'll give you rest. You ever just feel beaten down by the world? You can trust the promise of rest. We can trust promises like I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You ever feel like you've finally just done enough God's done with you? This promise says he's not and we can trust it. We can trust the promises like I am with you always to the end of the age. You ever feel like God's just abandoned you? I'm with you always. We can trust it. We can trust promises like I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it about to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. You ever feel like God's going to change his mind about you? Like, I don't think he knew what he was buying when he offered me salvation. This promise says he's going to finish it. And we can trust these promises. God's promises to you as you're walking through life can be trusted. You can depend on them. And Jesus himself is the prime example of that. So we remember Jesus Christ, risen from dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. One more time. Why? Why does Paul say, as preached in my gospel? The answer is that there's only one gospel. Literally, that Greek can be translated, this is my gospel. This is it. There isn't another one. We live in a world that says, there are many ways to God. There are many paths to God, you can find salvation by doing this or this or this. But that's not what the Bible says. We have one hope, one gospel. There's one good news. So Paul's making that clear here. Christ died for our sin in our place. 
he was buried. On the third day, he rose in victory over sin and death. When we repent of our sin and place our faith in his finished work, when we surrender to his lordship over our life, he gives us his righteousness as he forgives our sin. That's the gospel. In Galatians, Paul defended it so boldly that you just have to hear it. There's no other gospel. Any other gospel, any other good news is a false gospel. Like consider Galatians 1.8 where, where Paul says this. He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be anathema. Let him be accursed. Somebody comes to you telling you a false gospel, a gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ that we read in our Bibles, it's a false gospel and they're under a curse from heaven. There's only one gospel, and this is it. Jesus died in our place for our sin, and so we remember him. We remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. It's the most important thing we can do. And as we look forward to another year of life and ministry here in Alberta, that's what we need to remember. We remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. That's the foundation of everything that we do. But I'd like you to keep that inquisitive mind for for just a couple more minutes. Because I hope, I hope you see we've answered the why. So now we need to answer the how. How do we do this? How do we remember Jesus Christ? The answer's right here. God has revealed himself to us in his word. The 66 books that form the New and Old Testament are God's revelation to us. They're how we know him. They're how we know what he's done for us. They're how we know what he's called us to do. Do you want to know God? Do you you want to remember Jesus Christ? Read your Bible. Read it daily. This is so important. Like this isn't legalism. This is necessity. We need the word of God in our lives like we need food to eat. I'm not trying to lay a burden on you. I'm trying to lead you into life. So if you haven't already, like as you're exiting the building today, at both entrances, we've got these reading plans. Pick one of these up. It's two chapters a day. It's going to take you 10. If If you're a slow reader, maybe 15 minutes a day. And listen, today is the seventh. Just start with today. Don't worry about days one through six. If you haven't already done it, just start with today. You're going to be in Ezra chapter seven and Acts chapter seven. And that's okay. You need this like you need food. So treat it that way. Don't get caught up in in getting caught up. Just, Just... Read your Bible. Think about reading your Bible like you think about your daily meals. Some of us think about our daily meals more than others, right? But think about it like that. 
which should be an encouragement to you, Chris. Um, here's the thing. This last week on Tuesday, I had a lunch meeting scheduled. It got canceled. I had not brought a lunch with me. I got busy, and I totally skipped lunch. Did not eat lunch. Went home. Katie said she was going out with friends for dinner, so I was like, let's go to Macho Taco. So we went to Macho Taco. And when we got to Macho Taco and ordered our food, you know what I didn't do before I ate my dinner? I didn't eat lunch. I just ate my dinner. When you're doing a Bible reading plan, if you miss a day, don't stress out about it. These, these Bible reading plans, it's two chapters a day. If, if, and here's what happens. Like, no kidding, you'll get busy and you'll miss a day and then you miss another day. Then you miss another day. And before you know it, it's been like three or four days and you've got six or eight chapters that you've got to read just to get caught up. And so the temptation is to just give up. You're like, this is more than I can handle. I'm done. When that happens, remember how Josh missed his lunch. And just read for today. If you read today, if you open up your Bible and you read your assigned reading, whatever it is, and you don't have to use our reading plan, this is just one we got for you. If you read today's reading, you are on schedule and you're on track. That whole, I have to get caught up, that's legalism. This isn't legalism. This is necessity. We need God's word like we need food. So read your Bible. This is how we remember Jesus Christ. And one other quick encouragement before I let you go. I'm almost done, but I want you to have this one too. As you're reading through your Bible, especially a reading plan like the one we're using, because this one, it's going to have you read the entire Bible, Old Testament and New, over the course of two years. That means you're going to read through some stuff, and as you're reading, you're going to be like, what am I supposed to do with that? There are going to be days where you read and it's not going to be very memorable. You're not sure how to apply it. You need this like you need food. So think of it like food. There are a whole lot of meals that I've eaten in my lifetime. And I don't remember, I think, any of them. Here I am, a little bit pudgy, alive and well. You don't have to remember everything that you read. You just need the nutrients. This is your nutrients. So read your Bible. If you don't like to read, get an audio app and listen to your Bible. But consume God's word because this is how we remember we remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel. This is how we live as authentic Christ followers in every aspect of our lives. Listen, guys, we had a phenomenal year last year. As I was sitting in my office the other day and I was tabulating, pulling up reports from our software and looking at all of these things and getting the attendance numbers. And I got so excited, I ran down, ran down the hall to the rest of the staff and I was like, guys, you gotta hear this, listen to this. We had a good year and we absolutely should remember all the ways that God was faithful in this last year. 
But there's one more thing that's way more important to remember. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. Remember Jesus. Remember who he is. Remember what he's done. Remember what he's doing. Remember his faithfulness. Remember that he's there for you. When life is going great, and you feel like God is just showering you with his blessings. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel. And when life is going sideways, when the kids are rebelling, when you don't know how you're going to pay the bills, when you've got the illness that isn't getting better, that the doctors are clueless what to do, when, when you're just at your wit's end and life is falling apart and crumbling in front of you, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. Remember Jesus Christ. It's the most important thing that we can remember. Whatever season you're in, whatever comes in 2024, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. Can we pray? God, you've been good to us. You have been so incredibly good to us. And we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for the baptisms. We thank you for the new deacons we're adding. We thank you for the new members who are joining the church. We thank you for the faithfulness and giving. We thank you that we got to send Sadie overseas. We, we thank you for the ways that you have showered us with your blessings. Father, would you help us to remember those? But more than any of those, would you help us to remember Jesus? In the good times, help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. In the mundane times where we're just trogging along, would you help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus? And in the hard times, would you help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus? Help us to be a church that lives to make Jesus famous in this world. To make him known, to lead other people to know and love and serve him. Allow us to live on mission for you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement it gives us. It's in your beautiful name that we pray. Amen.